Blog Talk Radio. Why is that? 
because they have universal health care and we do not. That's right, folks. So every year, 700,000 people are laid to waste. Yeah. Well, got, this has got nothing to do with unions, but it's pretty freaky as hell. Uh, Indians who dared, now this is uh, Indians in India. Oh, in India. Who dared to resist the British colonialism were, were tied to the mouth of cannons, and it would then be fired. Oh, nice. Look, look, they even got a picture of, of what, what's going on there. They would tie these, these, these resistors to the cannons, and then they'd blow them up. Nice. Unbelievable, huh? I talk about, I mean, and, and we love the, 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 the king and queen and, the, 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 and all the idiots that they, uh, all the genetic idiots that they, that they spawned. What the hell is going on here, Lila? Don't understand. Me either. Here's an interesting one. Uh, time to transform Bernie's campaign into a permanent organization. Well, the Democratic Socialists are a permanent organization. Well, they want the campaign to become one. The biggest question for Bernie Sanders and his supporters is whether they'll transform his presidential campaign into a permanent organization that can carry his political revolution forward in the long term or whether, like Occupy Wall Street, it will quickly disappear. If Bernie pulls off a triple bank shot, receives the Democrats' nomination, is elected president, such an organization will be needed to help him accomplish his ambitious goals. If a corporate centrist Democrat like Hillary Clinton becomes president, a mass national social democratic socialist liberal organization is needed to prevent her from moving to the right and to build a base for real progressive change. If a white-wing Donald populist, right-wing populist like Donald Trump becomes president, such an organization is needed even more to mobilize mass resistance to its potentially divisive and racist policies. It's not just Mitch McConnell who needs to look out his window to see one million mobilized citizens. If Hillary Clinton wins the presidency, she also needs to see the same, supporting her if she does the right thing and protesting her if she backslides into corporate centrism or initiates regime change wars. And if Donald Trump wins, don't kid yourself, Democrats, it's possible Trump could defeat Clinton, I think he would, will certainly need to be mobilizing in the streets and elsewhere. In the meantime, we need to elect more candidates with Sanders-type politics at every level of government, from city hall to statewide office to the House and Senate. There has really been a better opportunity to create and build a permanent national progressive organization that has been afforded by the Sanders campaign. The historical moment is right, with Bernie willing, winning millions of supporters' votes for his campaign against a rigged economic and political system against institutional racism and a broken criminal justice system and for aggressive action to combat climate change. Now, with all of that, with institutional racism, why the hell is she getting so many black votes? Well, There's a campaign well order we, we did talk about that. I know, and that is because the blacks were mobilized to early voting before there was a lot of information on Bernie Sanders. And that was awkward. That was orchestrated by the Clinton campaign. Yeah. Keep there, them there, ignorant, and they'll just vote for her. There's a campaign organization on the ground in virtually every state, 
innumerable cities and towns. This is from Bernie's organization. And on college campuses that can contribute organizers, organizers and form the nucleus of a permanent organization. There are millions of dollars in small donor campaign contributions, a few million of which could be diverted to organizing or a permanent organization. And there are millions of supporters ready, even eager to support the cause, not just for one election, but for the future. So here are a rough outline of the plan. I, I have to agree with this, but let, let's see what his plan is. The Sanders campaign announced that it uh, will not end with a Democratic convention or the general election, but will win, lose, or draw, will continue on as a permanent mass organization. The Sanders campaign agrees to fund several million dollars from its war chest in startup costs for such an organization. The campaign assigns and or hires several organizers from its national staff to coordinate the creation of such an organization. Simultaneously, it assigns organizers on the national, state, local, and campus level to vote all or part of their time to building such an organization. Is that going to be a third party? I think so. Yeah, that's what they want. And your, the campaign announce, announces that it will make its email list available for communication with its supporters about the organization and after the election campaign to communicate and fundraise on its own. The so first building block would be an organizing meeting to be held in Philadelphia parallel with the National Demo Democratic Ooh, National Convention. Good idea. All right. In the somewhat unlikely event that Bernie is the Democratic nominee, the initial task of the organization will be to elect him president. If Hillary is a nominee, then the initial ta task will be to critically support her and prevent Trump or Republican or a Republican from taking the White House. Right. I, I, right now, I don't like this that is part. coming from Huffington Post. Fuck Huffington Post. Well, let's just read uh, the rest. No, of I don't. I don't like it. I don't like what she's saying. This is a Hillary troll writing this, and it's like you know. You know, they know that they that they screwed the that that they that they um, uh, stole the election. Now they got this. Uh, let me see the name of this person. Miles Mugolusku, okay, some entertainment attorney, producer, writer, and political activist, and Hillary troll, mm. right? So you know. Up yours, Michael Megalusku. Well, I think they should have a separate uh, uh, convention. Yeah, but I don't but like the way. I, I don't. I would not support her under any. No, I wouldn't either, and I, I won't vote for her. I'll tell you the truth. I'd sooner support Trump than vote for Hillary. I would. I would. Sooner, I do not want. I don't like Trump, election. and I. But I would sooner not vote and let Trump take it over rather than vote one. I don't want one a, iota. I don't of want a political there. insider in that office. No. We've had them. No. I want nothing to do with Hillary. I hope that Bernie's group wants nothing to do with Hillary. I'm sorry, but this can't. This 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 camp cannot handle it. So up yours, half post. Go away, troll. You know, I should put that in trolls. Okay, I don't even want to. I want to go back to the uh, union blog and. Uh, I don't and, uh, like this because I'm just gonna get it out of here. Um, I'd like to go to the union blog. There's a couple of things on that I'd like sure. to uh, bring to the folks who are listening. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's play this, and we'll have the audio piece of that. 
Uh, the AFL-CIO released a video today showing firsthand the devastating economic impact that the Trans-Pacific Partnership could have on community, communities across the country. When global companies move jobs offshore to take advantage of trade deals, they not only destroy jobs, they suppress wages, deprive local governments of needed resources, and leave working families behind. Oh, wonderful. But, you know, Hillary, Hillary, said, uh, Hillary wrote it. And Hillary wrote it. Hillary wrote that. So why, well, I don't understand why these unions are supporting her at all. I don't either. Any but let's see, let's see what that audio yeah. piece has to say. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why anybody's supporting this one. It's just a, a, a horrible I've seen too many people have their lives destroyed because the jobs went away. The Allegheny County Council opposed the Trans-Pacific Partnership because they understand the devastating impact that passage of that would have on their communities and their constituents. We can't have a continuation of what's gone wrong. We can't have another NAFTA. There's too much at risk. It's too important. Across the greater Pittsburgh area, across America, people are frustrated by their inability to provide for their families to have a future. What happens if TPP passes? There will be another generation who won't be able to find work. The local government opposed the Trans-Pacific Partnership. The FLCIO released uh, today. Uh, I read that. Uh, read last, yes, no, last week, United Steelworkers President Leo, right here, Leo W. Gerard testified at a U.S. Trade Representative hearing examining overcapacity in the global steel market and its impact on U.S. steelmakers. There is evidence that foreign governments are subsidizing cheap steel and selling it in the U.S. at unfairly low prices. Countries are able to dump their cheap steel in the U.S. market because they are undervaluing their currency when setting prices. Currency manipulation is at the heart of this issue, and the passage of the TPP, which doesn't address this global problem, could kill American manufacturing for good, Gerard said. Like NAFTA, it offers no protection for American manufacturing and American workers. U.S. trade policy has not worked for working people or our communities, which has led to broad opposition to the TPP, and it must be defeated. And this was supported by Hillary. He, she wrote it. We know the TPP is a job killer. I wouldn't give her that much credit. Well, she helped she, write she's it. just an idiot. She just, she just Said the AFL-CIO President Richard Trumper, our trade agreement should help to create good jobs in America and enable regular working people to succeed by working hard to get ahead. The TPP fails this goal miserably. I've seen too many people have their lives destroyed because the jobs went away, said Allegheny County, Pennsylvania, Council Member DeWitt Walton. We can't have another NAFTA. There's too much at risk. It's too important. What happens if the TPP passes? There'll be another generation of people that can't find work. There you go, folks. That's the, that's the law as it's set out by... It's very sad. It's so sick. And why would you do something that would hurt you, the people in your country? Because she's a traitor. Mm -hmm. Because she doesn't care. Because they paid her millions and billions of dollars to, to push it. To push it. 
You know, she's a she's a traitor. Ugh, Trump and veterans. Now, this, this one surprised me actually. Check out the video it's because uh, yeah, I'm going to do that. But uh, it really kind of surprised me that uh, these veterans groups are are this particular one is against them. The oh, yeah, Union yeah. Veterans Council Director Will Fisher cuts through the rhetoric of lifting where GOP President Frontrunner really stands when it comes to veterans. So this is on Donald Trump, so let's hear what he is uh, kind of curious. Hi, everybody. Will Fisher, Iraq War veteran and United States Marine. Do you realize there are 22 million veterans in this country? Look, if we turn out and vote, we can decide who the next president and commander-in-chief is. And today, I just want to talk to you veteran to veteran about the current GOP frontrunner, Donald Trump. First, jobs. Trump loves to go out on TV and talk about jobs, right? Which is interesting, because the same time he's out there talking about jobs, he's also out there saying that he believes wages for American workers, folks like you and me, are already too high. I mean, let me ask you, do you think right now you're getting paid too much? Donald Trump does. Next, the VA. Trump loves to go around and talk about how he's going to fix the VA, but his plans actually call for destroying and privatizing the VA. And privatizing? It's just a fancy word for saying, I'm going to let my billionaire buddies profit off the care of veterans. Lastly, what is up with Trump constantly banging the drum for more war? Look, he wants to send more young American women and men into combat, not his kids, but ours. And isn't it mighty bold talk coming from someone who died service in Vietnam with the help of multiple deferments and having a rich dad? Look, who you choose to vote for at the end of the day is your personal choice. But I just want to make sure you have the facts. Well, I hope this guy's not planning to vote for Cruz. Well, he didn't know? say that. No, but I mean, who else is he voting for? Well, maybe Republican. he's going to vote, vote for Hillary. No. Okay, she's more militaristic than, than, than Trump, all right? And so I think this guy's looking for to make a name for himself. Uh, doesn't sound right to me, but we can go on. Well, have you been to Trump's... Um, I haven't been to Trump's rally, and you know what? I don't you, care. Because, you, um, you, you know, all I know that is that... That isn't what I was going to say. All I know is he's got a have whole hell of a lot of, of guys uh, supporting have him. Have you really. been to his website? Maybe none of them are oh, in yeah. your website. No, they've been to his website. Sure. What does he say about veterans? He loves them. I love them. He what does he say about, so about paying people? He, he probably he, he probably say a damn thing about he it. probably skirts that because he doesn't believe in giving people a he says nothing way. His, his website is very very vague honestly uh, you know I, I, he just like Donald Trump is vague you know and he doesn't really have any set out good plans he, he he's kind of numb you know when it comes to that but based upon if if you compare him to Hillary. Mm. Holy cow! I mean, the difference is night and day. At least that you know he can do something. This this girl is nothing but crooked, all the way down the line. I, I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen a. a, a I don't. Maybe Nixon. I, I don't. Bush. Yeah, Bush was crooked as hell. He was a third bag. But I mean, shit. I mean, wait, let's think about it. Uh, 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 George W. Bush. And and uh, let's see, uh, 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 Bill Clinton was G. H. W. Bush's adopted son. He called him. All right, he loved G., uh, uh, Clinton, and he was a big buddies with Hillary. Mm-hmm. All right, 
Well, and 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 she's nothing more than a show, you know, kind of a rollover of of the Bush administration. Well, she started out as a Barry Goldwater supporter. Yeah, she's always, and, and then she she became a a, a a Democrat, which is kind of weird, right? So I don't know. I, I'm sorry. And then she worked on Watergate, but she was thrown out for corruption. Yeah, yeah, and 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 she and was fired. She, over twenty, she's had twenty two major scandals since she was uh, since she. Since then, since 1972, when she was with that, with that uh, I mean, major. So okay. most people say to me, oh, they ask me whom I'm voting for, and I say, well, I'm definitely not voting for Hillary Clinton. And they say, why not? And I say, because she's a crook. And then they say, all, oh, all politicians are crook, crooked. But I say, in response, I don't have to vote for someone that I know is a crook. Yeah, and exactly. it's a known crook. <laughs> exactly. I probably voted for Just a lot because of somebody tells me to. I probably to. voted for a lot of people, a lot of politicians who were crooks, but I didn't know at the time. Yeah, but I'm not crooks. knowingly voting for someone that I know that is, is so deceptive and so 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 yeah. criminal. That's all. Ah, sure, I've made it. mistakes in the past and found out they were can't crooked. Can't do it. Can't do it. But I can't vote for someone I know is. And, and the FLCIO has not endorsed it. Okay, the only the uh, only ASME has. Yeah. But anyway, working people in unions stand with LGBTQ, all right, uh, brothers and sisters against discrimination. That's the, uh, this is interesting. Uh, LB2 means lower wages, less safe workplaces, weaker benefits, more discrimination. We're not this. Oh, that's North Carolina? Let's hear about North Carolina's HB2 and other bathroom laws popping up in states that would bar transgender people. North Carolina, HB2 not only discriminates against lesbians, gays, bi's, and transsexual brothers and sisters, but it also What's means... Queer? What's queer? What's Q's mean? I don't know. I think it's transsexual. That's yeah, Q? I don't know. Queers? But it also means employers can now fire anyone because Q's. of their religion, race, color, national Q's. origin, age, sex, disability, or veteran status. North Carolina <laughs> abolished 30 years of legal protection. Legal protections against workplace discrimination. The law even bars cities and municipalities from passing legislation on non-discrimination, paid leave, fair scheduling, and raising the minimum wage. Oh, those are great states. Yeah. So. Yeah. So so much for living there. But um, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. I'm still curious what Q means. LGBTQ. What do you think Q is? I don't know. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual, Q. Queer? I don't know. Queer, yeah. Queer. I mean, I don't know. All right. Well, whatever they are, they, sh- they should have equal rights. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think they yeah, should. Really? Even though we don't know what they are, hey, you know, you know, so what? They well, when you discriminate against one section of society, don't be, don't, don't I, be, don't feel too safe because discrimination is going to come to you very soon. Yeah, hey, what's 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 Q? I'm going to look that up. I should know that. LGBTQ. Okay. Um. 
You might fail. Oh, we just read that. Mm-hmm. We? We just did that. Okay. Mm-hmm. People working weekly list. Working people in union stand. Oh, we just read that. Okay. Uh, uh, working families of Verizon strike for better workplace. Yeah, I'm curious about that. You see? That, that, that's a real mess of a strike. Yeah. And that's a horrible company to deal with if you've ever had any seems, telephone seems problems. Seems like it, yeah. Horrible. We're working people that you had that problem with them, right? Oh, you could, be on, you could be on the phone for yeah, 45 minutes, two yeah. hours. Working Your pe- wait is an hour first. <laughs> working people at Verizon are on strike. After months of negotiation with telecommunications giants, they've decided to take a stand to create a better workplace. They want to make sure the needs of working families are met, instead of standing by as a handful of individuals get richer and richer. They're fighting to stop the company from sending jobs overseas, getting Verizon to end its continued intimidation of working people at Verizon Wireless who are trying to create a better future for themselves and their families. Communication Workers of America uh, President uh, Christopher Sheldon said, We've been bargaining with Verizon now for almost a year. We have tried everything to get get a path to a contract. A strike is at last resort, but Verizon has forced us there. Nobody wants to go on strike. It's a hardship for our members and their families. It's a hardship for customers who face delay in scheduling repairs and getting service. It's tough on communities, but Verizon has shown it has no regard for workers and our family or for customers, for community, none. And uh, I believe it. Yeah, and you know, I think what's interesting is that now they're trying to buy out. What are they? What are they trying to buy out? Yahoo. Yahoo. That's right. I mean, they got enough money to buy out Yahoo, but they can't afford to pay their their their, their people. You know, it's like nope. it's a criminal corporation, absolute criminal corporation. Electrical workers. President Lonnie Stephenson said, "No one wants to go on strike, but Verizon, this immensely profitable company, is putting the squeeze on hardworking men and women who just want to come to work, do their jobs, and be treated fairly." Mm-hmm. CWA District One Vice President of Communication Workers Association, we're standing up for working families and standing up for Verizon corporate greed. Uh, up to rather Verizon corporate greed. If a hugely profitable corporation like Verizon can destroy the good families supporting jobs of highly skilled workers, then no worker in America will be safe from this corporate race to the bottom. Hmm. And Ed Mooney, vice president of CWA District 2-13, uh, added, More and more Americans are outraged by what some of the nation's wealthiest corporations have done to working people over the last 30 years. If Verizon... Uh, is becoming the poster child for everything that people in this country are angry about. This very profitable company wants to push people down, and it wants to push community, communities down by not fully preparing the network and not building out uh, FLOs. I don't know what that is, but, um, you know, we had the same problem here with AT&T, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, then they then they sold out to Fox, uh, Fox, uh, what's that? Frontier. Frontier. And then Frontier, <laughs> Jesus, took them a couple of years, all right, before they were able to, 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 to straighten out the mess. Well, 
Buffalo do something. Right. Ed Mooney, Vice President of CWA. Uh, more and more Americans are outraged. Did I just read? No, 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 no. Uh, let's see. They're just they're just complaining that all the, that, that what they're trying to do is just to beat them out. And uh, Richard Trumka said, FLCIO president. FLCIO stands in solidarity with the communication workers of America and the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers fighting for a fair contract. 39,000 working people who went on strike this morning at Verizon deserve a fair contract that provides stability and accepting working conditions. Interesting that they chose Bernie to, 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 mm-hmm. to endorse. Mm-hmm. Okay, not Hillary. Right, and Verizon made $39 billion in profits over the last three years, but it's wow. unwilling to provide uh, job security, better benefits, and safe working conditions to the people who made it possible for their top five executives to make over $233 million in the last five years. Oh, my God. But one wait wants a strike, but no one wants a strike, but Verizon's unwillingness to negotiate fair terms shows its disrespect for working people. Verizon wants to uproot people, hurt communities, force retirees to pay extremely high health care costs. This strike is about doing what is right for everyday working people, not corporate interests. We call on Verizon to bargain in good faith and work with unions to create a fair and equal contract that stands up for working people rather than corporate greed. Sign our petition in support of Verizon workers, and I, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's something. Long overdue Department of Labor rule will protect retirement investors. Hmm. I wonder what that what does that have? Let's check it out. Let's see what's I don't think I know about that. Hey, you wanna read it? Yeah, we applaud the Department of Labor. No, but, yeah, long overdue. Richard Trumker is saying this. We applaud the Department of Labor for getting the fiduciary rule over the finish line after a long and thorough rulemaking process that took into account a multitude of stakeholders' interests. While politicians on both sides of the aisle acknowledge our retirement income crises, very few are willing to do anything meaningful about it. With this rule, the, de- the Labor Department is putting a stop to business as usual. This means putting the end, putting to the, an end to the siphoning off of hard-earned retirement funds by salespeople masquerading as objective investment professionals. We know that financial industry opponents of the rule will continue their efforts to prevent it from being acted. The AFL-CIO will be watching to see how members of Congress respond to, respond to their entreaties. Is that right? Yes. The rule is critical to promoting retirement security for working men and women. It means we will have more of our hard-earned funds available for a secure and dignified retirement. Well, what happens is when people sell you funds, uh, they are getting a huge uh, benefit from that. Oh, sure. With the fact the fiduciary rule finalized, the FLCIO urges the administration to finish its work on the overtime rule that will bring working people closer to earning their rightfully earned overtime pay. All right. So uh, that's the end of that. Well, we, we agree with them. We, we do agree with that. Don't we? I think so. 
The economy adds 215,000 jobs in March, and unemployment is essentially unchanged at 5%. That is so hard to believe. That is so hard to believe. Um, I don't believe it. Okay, there's a pretty clear solution to this problem of low-wage workers. A new analysis for the Pew Charitable Trust shows that low-income Americans are experiencing a massive increase in housing costs and make it impossible for some to afford basic needs. The study found that low-income Americans spend a median of, median of $6,897 on housing in 2013, and that number rose to $9,178 in um, 2014, about $3,000 $2,500 jump. This is the biggest jump in nearly 20 years of data that Pew studied. Uh, other necessities such as transportation and food also have risen, but not as drastically. I don't know about that. Pretty, pretty damn drastic. Okay, we're, you know, we've seen a double, mm-hmm. doubling in, in food prices and everything else. Um, mm-hmm. Aaron Courier, project director of the Pew Channel Plus, put the data in. I don't trust Pew. I never did. Okay. Pew, uh, I don't I don't really even want to read this because I don't trust Pew. Uh, they're, they're a phony, crazy, you know, globalist organization. Just, you know, you just don't trust them. So, I don't trust them. You? Huh? Well, I didn't get a chance to read that article. Well, there's nothing to read about it. The rich get ri- richer. 50 billion years got federal farm subsidies. Yeah, that's enough. That's disgraceful. What do they have, a few Christmas trees? <laughs> yeah, Think federal farm subsidies only help out struggling family farmers? Think again. Fifty members of the Ford's 400 list of the richest Americans, banking tycoon David Rockefeller Sr., Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen, stockbroker Charles Schwab, and dozens of other billionaires got at least $6.3 million in farm subsidies between 1995 and 2014, according to an EWG analysis. And these fat cats likely receive even more subsidies through the federal crop insurance program. EWG matched EWG's farm subsidy data with the Forbes 400 list. We found that the billionaires who received farm subsidies between 95 and 2014 have a collective net worth of $331.4 billion. Some of the other notable members of the 1% who got farm subsidies include Commerce Secretary Penny Pritzker, the owner of three professional sports teams and the founder of the Bass Pro Sporting Goods Empire. Of the 50 billionaires, 46 grow coins, soybeans, sorghum, cotton, rice, and barley commodities that are eligible for both traditional farm subsidies and crop insurance subsidies. Only two of the billionaires exclusively raise livestock, which aren't eligible for subsidies, but qualify for disaster assistance. Traditional commodity subsidies are subject to a modest means test that was tightened under the 2014 Farm Bill. Unlike traditional commodity subsidies, however, Crop insurance subsidies can benefit any farmer regardless of income, and the U.S. Department of Agriculture doesn't have to make the names of any crop insurance benefits public. 
so taxpayers and Congress have no way of knowing whether farmers owned or operated by billionaires get crop insurance premium support. On average, taxpayers cover 62% of the cost of crop insurance premiums. The net cost of crop insurance is estimated at $8.8 billion a year over the past three years. I wonder if any small farmers get into that. I hope so. A recent EWG investigation found that more than 10,000 individual farming operations receiving annual insurance premiums support ranging from $100,000 $100, to a, billion, a million, and 26 operations each received more than $1 million. And like other farm subsidies, the lion's share of crop insurance subsidies flow to the most successful farm businesses. According to data, EWG compiled from USDA, the top 1% of crop insurance subsidy recipients received on average nearly $227,000 a year in crop insurance premium support in 2011, while the bottom 80% of recipients received only about $5,000 a year. Holy yeah, let's take a look at this chart and it'll say how much they collected. Yeah. Click here. There's a preview below the chart of 50 billionaires. Paul Allen, his net worth is $17.8 billion. He collected traditional subsidies, $14,429. Kona Residence Trust, which received uh, barley subsidies. I just read that. They re it just tells how much is collected. Phil Anschutz, AEG Entertainment, co-founder of right. Major... Show his net worth, though. His network is ten point nine billion dollars. Saying who he is, co-founder of oh. the major of Major League Soccer. So that's where he made his money, and his net worth is ten point nine billion. He received six hundred and six thousand five hundred and fourteen dollars in traditional subsidies between nineteen ninety five and twenty fourteen. Right. And John Arilaga. Arilaga. Worth two point three billion dollars. He's a real estate mogul. All right, and which received uh, twenty-eight thousand eight hundred and fifty-five dollars and fifty cents for wheat, sorghum crop, barley, sunflower. That's and, traditional. Uh, whatever. Stuff. All right, he didn't get much, but he got something. Be bass. Bass family. Two, two billion dollars. All right. Is their net, net worth? Net worth. But he got uh, $1,129,000 for uh, Panther yeah. City Cattle Company, received 823000 in cotton, wheat, sorghum, and subsidies from 2000 to 2007. Right. And then uh, Bechtel, uh, $2.9 He's the chairman of Bechtel. He got a write-off of, he got $11,000 in subsidies. Why the hell would they give the guy an insurance subsidy like that? Uh, he didn't get an insurance subsidy. They don't know if he did. Well, they get that's it. 11.6. Yeah, but that's for traditional, uh, that's been for crop subsidies. So, they, they my investors, which received 484000 in rice and other farm subsidies from 1995 to 2000. Yeah. He these people, as I said in the article, probably got insurance, insurance subsidies as well. Right. But they didn't have to list those, right. they so they don't these, know if they did. But they had right. that; they probably got insurance subsidies on top of it. Unbelievable! Yeah. I wonder, I wonder why they pay no taxes. Yeah. Yeah. 
socialized, socialized um, benefits for the extremely rich. Yes. So, and they're against benefits for anybody else. Oh, terrible socialism for anybody else, but they're right in the aggressive oh, yeah, themselves. Yeah, yeah. It's called corporatism. ISIS. Who is behind it? Groups and individual donors with these national states have invested uh, interest in uh, keeping the war on terror alive and well for as long as possible so as to further their agendas. They have financial gains, which is arms sales, control of regional resources, engineering of political and racial tensions, justification for mass surveillance and monitoring of global population, centralization for power. Now, who's behind it? Israel, USA, NATO, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and Turkey. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. How it's Qatar? Little tiny little... Cutter. Yeah, Cutter. And uh, very interesting, I thought. One of the wealthiest countries. Yeah, now now here's another slap in the face from, from our goddamn globalist country. Uh, Yahoo, not Yahoo, uh, Intel. Intel to cut up to 12,000 jobs as PC industry swoons. Right. Yeah, PC. They, I, I bet they're all going to China. I bet you. Anyway. You know, they're going to 12,000 people and not put them. They're going to need somebody to make those little gadgets. Uh, anyway, Intel Corp. said on Tuesday it would cut up to 12,000 jobs globally or 11% of its workforce as it refocuses its business toward making microchips that power data centers and Internet connection connected devices and away from the declining personal computer industry at Elk Ground. This is Intel now. Uh, tech companies, including the former Hewitt-Packard company and Microsoft, have reorganized in the face of the PC industry decline. Many new tech users around the world turn to mobile phones for their computing needs, and corporations increasingly rely on big machines uh, rather than desktop models to run their businesses. Global personal computer shipments fell 11.5% in the first quarter, um, said uh, Monday. Intel, the, worst large, the world's largest chip maker, uh, lowered its revenue forecast for the year. It now expects revenue to rise in the mid-single digits, down from its previous forecast of mid to high single digits. And so, you know, so they're, they're, they're bailing everybody out. A mm-hmm. long article worth nothing. Um, even though they're laying everybody off, the new revenue rose to $13.7 billion from $12.7 billion. So they made another billion dollars profit over last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, and now they want to now they want to get rid of everybody. You know? uh, so imagine trying to absorb twelve thousand you know twelve thousand jobs being just like that. Huh? Anyway, uh, we must move on. One of the nation's largest pension funds could soon cut benefits for retirees. This is for truckers. It's really, really, really not a good thing. One of the nation's largest pension funds could cut benefits for retirees. This is from the Washington Post. Um, 
More than a quarter of a million active and retired truckers and their families could soon see their pension benefits severely cut, even though their pension fund is still years away from running out of money. Within the next few weeks, the Treasury Department is expected to announce a crucial decision on whether it will approve reductions to one of the country's largest multi-employer pension plans. The potential cuts are possible under legislation passed by Congress in 2014 that for the first time allowed financially distressed multi-employer plans to reduce benefits to retirees if it would improve the solvency of the fund. The law weakened federal protections that for more than 40 years shows one of the last remaining pillars that workers could rely on for financial security and retirement. For many workers, the promise of guaranteed income stream for life, a benefit now nearly extinct for younger generations, was at times so was strong enough to convince them to sacrifice pay raises for other job opportunities. But after decades of challenges that left many pension funds in tough financial straits, uh, some people are learning in retirement that the promises made to them may have to be broken. Mm-hmm. And the central state's uh, pension fund, uh, which handled the retirement benefits for current and former Teamster Union truck drivers across various uh, states in Texas, was in Wisconsin, blah, 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 all kinds of states here, was the first plan to apply to for, for reductions under the new law. And consumer advocates watching the case say the move could encourage dozens of other pension plans across the country that are facing financial struggles to make the same cuts. So it just goes on a little bit. This is going to be a national crisis for hundreds of thousands, even millions of retirees and their families, uh, said Karen Friedman, Executive Vice President of the Pension Rights Center. Like many other pension plans, the Central State's uh, Pension Fund suffered heavy investment losses during the financial crisis that cut into the pool of money available to pay out benefits. While the stock market has recovered since then, the improvements were not enough to make up for the shortfall that grew as the number of companies contributed to the plan declined and the number of people retiring and collecting benefits increased. Um, And the imbalance left the fund paying out $3.46 in pension benefits for every $1 it received from employers. The shortfall has resulted in a funding payment, a fund paying out $2 billion more in benefits than it receives in employer contributions each year. If nothing is done, the fund could become insolvent by 2025, said uh, Nia. And because of its size, the plan would open the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, the insurance agency meant to shore up private uh, pension funds if it went under. The central state's uh, pension pays out $2.8 billion a year in benefits and would be reduced if the plan became insolvent. But in comparison, the PBGC fund that backs multi-employer plans has roughly $2 billion in assets and is also projected to be insolvent by 2025. This has a very hard, this is a very hard decision, a gut-wrenching decision, Ian said, mm-hmm. adding that he feared not taking any action would leave retirees with no pension at all. It's not a question of if there is going to be cuts. The question is where and when. And if Treasury approves 
the fund proposal, then retirees could see their paycheck shrink by July 1st. The move would give the fund at least a 50% chance of lasting for another 30 years, uh, as opposed to running out of cash in 10 years. If no changes are made, Dan said, a decision is expected by May 7th. But opponents say there may be some negative consequences if the cuts are approved. It's going to open the floodgates to other cuts. Yeah, this is quite a long, long article, but um, you know we want to. We uh, our, our regrets to uh, give our regrets to, to those people that are going to get hurt. Not a good thing, that's for sure. Not a good thing. Um. Okay, we got about ten minutes left. something that I should read it. This is real quick, but, you know, Bill Clinton, uh, the great Bill Clinton and his wonder wife, uh, Hillary, uh, what they did is they repealed the Bank Act of 1933, which is known as the Glass-Steagall and Banking Act, uh, effectively separating risky speculative investment banking from traditional FDIC protection functions like issuing mortgages and small business loans. The repeal of this law by Bill Clinton in 1999 led directly to the toxic mortgage fuel meltdown of 2008 and the root cause of our current economic situation. Genius, wasn't it? Oh, um, yeah, i got a few minutes. I want to spend some time on this because it's really, it really, really, really irked me to see this. But the New York primary is a total disaster. This is what happened in New York yesterday. The New York primary is already rife with complaints of voter disenfranchisement in at least two different New York City boroughs. You want to read this, or you feel good? Sure. The New York primary is no, the okay. Park. The Cooper Park House polling location in Brooklyn's Greenpoint neighborhood, and I think that was where Bernie was born was supposed to open at 6 a.m., but the site remained closed for hours, preventing early morning voters trying to cast their ballots before work hours from voting. According to Twitter user Catherine Rebecca, voters had been waiting outside for more than two hours uh, for poll workers to open the doors. Cadesio, 382, tried to vote in the early morning hours at Brooklyn. Athletic term Terminal Senior Center also reported that her polling station was closed nearly two hours after voting officially began. Ben Kenselman of 538.com also confirmed a delay in opening at this polling location. Uh, another Brooklyn uh, polling station, a former recorded poll worker, Vitaly Gesvans, informing voters that both voting machines at the precinct were down and that voters would have to cast paper ballots to be fed into the machine later on. The precinct was originally supposed to have four voting machines, but the only two voting, the only two machines at the precinct were malfunctioning. <laughs> at one point, a man in here is heard 
telling the poll worker, a piece of paper, you have to trust that somebody is going to enter it correctly? <laughs> yeah, cause they, yeah. It's a recipe for disaster, George Mack, from voted, who voted for Hillary Clinton. Uh, told any, somebody at the end of the day is going to feed the ballots through a machine. I don't have confidence in that. Right. But interesting that, that they held up a Hillary voter. Hmm. Oh, oh, surprising. According, according to the New York Daily News, Queens voters also faced problematic voting machines at the uh, Precinct 52 in the uh, Springfield Garden neighborhood. Queens Democrat uh, George Max told the news that he and, and approximately 50 other voters were told that all three of the precinct's voting machines weren't in working order. They would have to fill out paper ballots as well. Imagine that. What a what a joke. These irregularities come on top of the news that approximately 126,000 voters were purged from the rolls in Kings County and houses in, which houses Brooklyn. As U.S. cuts reported this morning, Mayor Bill De Blasio is demanding an explanation from the city uh, board of elections as to why so many Democrats in the state's most Democratic-leaning county were taken off the voting polls. The state agency overseeing elections has yet to prove a definitive explanation for the purge. Other irregularities plaguing the New York primary, including the change of voters' party affiliation without their consent, even apparent forged signatures on forms changing party affiliations with Democrat to other or Republican. So it's, this is so crooked. It's so crooked. It's un freaking believable. Because New York is a closed primary state, these voters are unable to cast their ballots in today's primary, despite being previously registered as Democrats. Other strange irregularities and consistencies have been reported, including the anecdote shared by Sean King, noted activist and reporter in the New York Daily News. Uh, I was at the location of 6 a.m. while I am registered Democrat. They were unable to locate me in the poll book. I even showed the man helping me the confirmed info from the website. On my phone, I had to demand an affidavit ballot. I then was able, was given only Republican choices. I had to declare out loud I didn't want to vote for any of these people, and he laughed. He said he wasn't sure if they had any Democratic forms, and eventually he found them. I urged everyone to do whatever you need to do to vote today and take your time while doing so. Ask questions. Don't accept answers that seem to block you from voting. Isn't that freaking sick? Yeah, just, just unbelievable that they have to resort to this. That they resort to this to, to block a guy like Bernie. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just unbelievable. Just totally, totally unbelievable. Makes it sick. Makes it totally and absolutely sick to, to be. An American, you know. Yeah. Well, this is the this is the way it is. The fix is in. The Sanders supporters in New York see both switch to Hillary. Yeah. So what's going on, folks? It's from the Huffington Post. Calls began flooding in early this morning on a New York-based ABC affiliate. Uh, this was posted yesterday, by the way. Um, later yesterday. Uh, the station uh, uh, switching votes. Uh, the report of voting machines across the state switching votes entered for De Bernie Sanders. 
to his establishment counterpart, Hillary Clinton. Yeah, they were clicking Sanders and was voting Clinton. Remember that happened to George Bush. They clicked Kerry and went to George Bush. Yeah. So that's what that's what used to happen and it's still happening now, just the opposite party or the opposite, uh, you know, Clinton. The uh, spokesperson has spoken with multiple witnesses and in the process of verifying statements from voters of state districts 20, 21, and 22, and 24, as well as two of the five boroughs. According to one witness, identified as Jason Jones from Manhattan, it was the strangest thing. The machine literally would not allow me to vote for Bernie. I have been a Bernie supporter since he launched his campaign and have absolutely no reason to vote for Shillery. I have heard the same from several others coming out of the voting booths. Seems like the establishment will stop at nothing to keep this out of the hands of Bernie. Isn't that amazing? Um, Brian Johnson, a volunteer and self-professed Hillary supporter who was overseeing the voting at the 9th Precinct, <laughs> had this to say. These allegations have no basis in reality. If Sanders supporters cannot figure out how to use a voting machine, maybe they shouldn't be voting. What a piece of work, son of a bitch, prick. This is the, this is the voting, uh, this is the head of the voting in that precinct. Imagine mm-hmm. that. What a piece of work. All eyes have been focused on New York as many pundits view the states as critical to the momentum of Sanders' campaign. Members of the establishment, including the head of the Democratic National Committee, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, uh, have been accused of conspiring with the Clinton campaign to stop Sanders from earning delegates needed to secure the party domination. According to polling, Mrs. Clinton is ahead in the polls and is riding the wave of the sport based on her history with the state. Yeah. As of press time, no response has been released by either Sanders or whatever. It's a breaking story. So uh, this was published yesterday, all right, but uh, it's important to note that uh, that was uh, after they had left the polls and uh, Bernie got trounced, but he really didn't. He really didn't. They just they just cheated him again. Damn cheats. Yeah. Anyway. Well, it doesn't matter because I think Hillary's going to be indicted in the next uh, by, by next month. Maybe the, FBI, the FBI is planning it. They're getting a grand jury, and uh, they got enough for her on treason. They got enough for her on, on uh, all kinds of stuff, corruption, uh, and Bill and the Clinton Foundation selling favors by the State Department. It, it's really sick now. But that's the way it's going to be. I proof that Hillary Clinton has been losing to Bernie Sanders for a month now. Party national race fundamentally changed fundamentally, indeed radically, after March 1st, and the national media failure to register this and report and work into their polling. Yeah, all of the polls, all of the polls, this is sorry, I'll briefly say it because I only got a minute, but all the polls, uh, Democratic polls, have been, uh, have been neglected or forgotten since uh, after uh, the. March 1st. The media is still using polls that are dated March 1st, okay, or before, 
before Bernie started winning all of the all of the all of the elections. So, you know, sorry folks, but Hillary's a crook. The Democratic Party's as crooked as can be, and uh, that's just the way it is. Can't help it. Sorry about that. I I I'm all for unions, all for liberal politics, but by God, you know, crooked. There's crooked people in the Democratic Party too. Hillary is number one crook. I think the world will be a better place with Bernie as president. So, with that, good night, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show. Tell your friends about it, and uh, talk to you next week.